This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Lee Dow. Lee, thank you for taking us on your career journey. Oh, I'm excited to do it. Awesome. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, let's start at the very beginning. And can you tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? An astronaut. Did you say an astronaut? I did. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, when I was really young, I wanted to be an astronaut. I just was always fascinated by space. What started that? Did you watch, you know, the space shuttle take off one day or was it just something you always wanted to do? If I remember correctly, when I was really little, my parents were very um, academic and they emphasized reading at a very, very early age. So like I could read before I went to kindergarten. And and I remember having a book that had a female astronaut and I just thought that was the coolest thing. You don't remember the name of that book, do you? I don't. I could probably find it. It was a book my mom bought for me. You know, she was always trying to encourage us to think of job opportunities that were in um, math and science because she herself um, was in a job that was math and science related. Okay. Well, that's really cool. Now, what was one of your first jobs you had as a young adult? In high school, you know, I had the typical work at the mall, retail kind of job. When I got to college, I first started working in a law firm as an assistant, and I really liked it. And then my roommate actually was working for the governor's office, and she told me about a job that was open in the PR and communications team for uh, a student. So I went in and I applied for it, and I got the job. And so for the next three years, I worked in the governor's uh, press and communications office. Wow, that's a great job you have there at such a young age. Well, that leads us right into our next question. What do you do today? And if you would, kind of walk us how you got there. Well, I own a marketing and PR agency, so I haven't strayed too far from where I started. (laughs) (laughs) But the path to get there is definitely not a traditional one. I actually was not studying PR or communications when I was working in the governor's office. I was studying political science and international affairs, and so those are what my undergraduate degrees are in, um, because I wanted to work in politics, and I was contemplating going to law school at the time, Um, and I did apply and get into law school and then changed my mind and decided not to go to law school. When I graduated, I actually went to work for a U.S. senator. And I loved that experience. It was amazing, especially at such a young age, to be exposed to how those decisions were made, what influences and impacts those decisions, and how people influence and impact how those decisions are made. Mm. And so I got really more interested in lobbying and legislative affairs, drafting legislation, doing the research for that. Um, And in lobbying, they really teach you the job itself, but also your mentors around you. They really teach you how people are influenced. So they teach you... Is the person influenced by data? Are they influenced by relationships? You know, what are the things that are going to get that person to, you know, come to your side, basically? And those are great skills to learn for any job because you have to be able to lead with influence in any job. Um, So it was definitely an education. I um, ended up leaving and going into a private law firm to lobby with them. I lobbied mostly immigration, Department of State, and Department of Labor issues, um, all of which are very intertwined, and Intel, uh, was one of our clients, and they ended up hiring me, and they moved me to California. 
So I worked for Intel, started in government affairs. Then I moved into PR and marketing. During that time, I went back to school and got my um, MBA in technology management. Worked for Intel for seven years in a lot of different kinds of roles. Um, what I really loved about working there is that they want you to, they have the motto of own your own employment, which I think is great. It's mm. just a great motto um, because that means you know, you own your employability. If you continue to expand your skills and develop new skills and want to be a continuous learner, then they're going to give you the opportunities to do that. And it's also a great way to have more job security uh, if you're more right. diversified in your skill set, right? So when you see people get laid off, a lot of time it's people who have, you know, one particular skill set and, and don't have that, like, well-roundedness. At the time, I don't know how they are now, but at the time, Intel did not want leaders who had come up through one particular job function, unless it was really specialized. They wanted really well-rounded leaders who had worked in supply chain and manufacturing and marketing and finance um, and had that, you know, really well-rounded experience. So I worked for Intel for seven years, and then I took my sabbatical, uh, which they offered. I came back and I quit, and I went to work for Honeywell Aerospace, mostly because uh, it was just a bigger role and bigger opportunity uh, in a different industry. Was that still on the PR side, marketing side? Yeah, I worked in the um, marketing communications team. I was the lead for online marketing. And over time, that job got a lot bigger in scope, and I became the lead for e-commerce and online marketing. So the e-commerce channel for aerospace is about a billion dollars worth of business for Honeywell. It was really a really important strategic initiative to them at the time. People always ask me, they're like, how did you go from computers to you know, planes and defense in space. And I would tell people, well, I would tell people, well, at Intel, we made stuff that goes in a box that happens to be a computer. And at Honeywell, we make stuff that goes in a box that happens to fly. It's <laughs> a good way to, to define it for folks. <laughs> yeah. So I really loved working in aerospace, got to work across the entire company um, instead of, you know, just in general aviation or business aviation or just the space side. Because I ran e-commerce, I got to run, I got to see all the different verticals and industries. So that was really very exciting for me because I like to have that kind of diversity in my job. Um, I would think I wouldn't enjoy being, you know, like a product manager of one product, especially at an aerospace company where products can have a 40-year life cycle. Right. So I worked there for seven years and, you know, progressively more expansive roles and leadership roles. Um, my last two years, I actually worked for Honeywell Corporate outside of the aerospace organization, worked on a global team to set up service delivery areas around the world, and my job was to help design how that process was going to work, how we were going to communicate with people, and how we were going to be able to communicate with each other across the globe and deliver a seamless service. Wow. Yeah. So it was a very fun job. Uh, it was a brand new group. My team was all across the world. Our phone calls would sometimes be at 4 a.m. or sometimes they would be at you know, 11 p.m. <laughs> right. But I did get to travel a lot in my roles at Intel and Honeywell. And for me, that was probably the most exciting part of those jobs. I got to go to so many places I probably would not have spent my own money to go to. Right. But it really changed my worldview and you know, just exposed me to so many interesting cultures and people. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great part of jobs if you're able to have that experience and exposure, like you said, especially the different ways the businesses operate in those different countries. That had to be yeah. quite eye-opening. Definitely. You know, the culture and just as an example, uh, we had a project with a team in Malaysia and we would do video conferences with them and we would meet with them and we would say, okay, you know, here's what we think needs to happen. And they would say yes and they would nod their head. And a week or two would go by and we'd have another conference, you know, video conference. And 
they we would ask them what what had happened and you know if any progress had happened and they would say no and we would say why and they would say well we didn't say we were going to do it we just said we like they just said we heard you so when they nod <laughs> it just means i heard you it doesn't mean yes <laughs> so things like that that you know you just learn and different cultures that i think make your job even more interesting and so i worked there for seven years and then i left and i went to work for a very small supplier of honeywell that gave me the opportunity to run the world's biggest online it community of wow. about yeah of a few million people and so i wanted to do that because community management was very hot at the time it was an element of communications that i hadn't done a lot of i wanted to learn more about but i knew when i took that job that they were trying to build the company up to divest it. And so I knew that I could be out of a job within a year. When I took that job, the VP of communications of Honeywell, who originally hired me seven years prior, mm-hmm. he called me out of the blue and he said that he was, now that he had retired, he was you know, just working through the people he wanted to stay in touch with. And he said, I'd love to take you to lunch and hear about what you're doing. I said, okay. So we went to lunch and the first thing he asked me was, he said, what sparked my interest is that you left Honeywell, and I saw that you went to this company. What are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> I was like what do you mean? And, and he, said, um, he said that he always thought that I would have gone out on my own, started my own thing, my own agency, and he was just really surprised that if, when, I, when I left, that that's, why I, that, that that's how I left instead of going off and doing my own thing. And I asked him, I said, well, why didn't you ever tell me that? No, you've never told me that. And he said, well, why would I tell you that when I was there? You would leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I said, okay, that makes sense. But the reason I left the job is that the last two years, my job was a job that I took knowing that it was only going to be a two-year assignment. I knew that it had a start and an end. I was gone very frequently. I was gone, you know, weeks at a time overseas. I had very young children at the time. And my family and I knew that, okay, for two years I can make that commitment. But at the end of that two years, they wanted me to continue doing that for another year, and that just wasn't acceptable to me. Mm-hmm. So that's why I left the company and went to the smaller company. And so, you know, he, he sort of planted that, that seed with me because I said to him, well, I know that I can do the work, but I don't know how to go get the work. I don't know if I can do that if I have an agency. And he said, oh, you'll learn. all right well that's a risky move but okay right so sure enough they sold the company about nine months after i started working there and laid off everyone they just bought the technology and the platform and i thought well if i'm ever going to do this you know i had a good severance and if i'm ever going to do this now's a great time to try so i started freelancing and i really loved the freedom and flexibility that i had and i liked the diversity of working on different industries, different products, you know, different clients, um, instead of just one thing for one company. And so I did that for about six months. And about the six-month mark, I realized I was getting repeat business and I was getting referrals. Mm. So I realized, hey, I need help. So that's when I started the agency. Wow, that's a great career journey you had there because you went a lot of different spots and it seemed like every one of them you were learning more and building on your skill set and your experience and the travel piece had to be pretty huge for you as well. And then it sounds like you built some pretty good relationships and if <laughs> an old boss was giving you some advice. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I always tell people, they say, because I, I have a very extensive network and it is something that I actually spend a lot of time cultivating. You know, you also have to remember that I went to one of the biggest universities in the country I worked for two of the biggest companies in the world. And so because of that, and, and you know, the, the political thing too, because of that, you know, I just do know a lot of people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, some of the things that I've been able to do in agency life is step out of just working on, you know, technology marketing and PR and working on sports marketing, which I love. I was fortunate enough to work with a company that's in Phoenix. They're headquartered in Phoenix, but they're all over the world called Exos. I got to work with a lot of guys who are going through uh, the NFL combine and draft process mm-hmm. and working with them on, you know, positioning them and you know, helping them tell their story through that process. Lots of different sports and it was just a really amazing job and I loved it. Sports marketing is very fun if you love sports. So let me ask you this. What does your typical work week look like? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy, but I like it that way. Um, one of the things that I've always really liked about public relations is a little bit different than other types of marketing is that I divide public relations into two categories. One is news, the other is publicity. So in news, you, you pretty much know, unless it's something happening external to, to your world, you pretty much know what you have to plan for. Maybe it's a grand opening. Maybe it is um, a product announcement. But, but you can plan for that. You can predict it. That's about 80% of a PR person's life. There's this 20% that is unpredictable and spontaneous, and I love that about public relations. I love that you know every day your day is completely different. What you're working on is usually different. Um, especially if you're in an agency doing public relations. And the publicity side of it is really fun because that's where you get to be creative. You get to come up with ideas of things that you can do that will generate news. You know, you really do get to be um, wear both hats of being analytical and creative. I think that one of the things that I've noticed in hiring people coming out of, you know, whether it's somebody who is still in college and is an intern, we have quite a few from Arizona State University, is that... The, the thing that is hard to find in today's world is great critical thinking skills. And you absolutely have to have that in pretty much any job, but definitely in public relations because journalism students learn that. And so if you're working with journalists and reporters and you studied PR and communication instead of journalism, you're going to have to develop that critical thinking skill so that you can stay a step ahead of where their question is going to go when they're interviewing somebody or where a story might go or how to manage crisis communications. You absolutely have to have critical thinking skills, which I feel like I learned in my political science degree. You gave me a lot right there. (laughs) (laughs) So is your typical week, you're basically hopping around from all these different projects in different different stages? Would that be accurate? It used to be. It used to be. I have made a personal goal as CEO to in the last couple of years to stop working in the business and focus on working on the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it used to be that, you know, I was actively engaged and involved with every single, you know, line item of a project for a client. That's not the case anymore. I have a great leadership team. I have someone who has, who's my project manager who has tremendous experience two decades worth of managing projects for really complex industries. I have two people on my team that came from Honeywell that actually worked with me at Honeywell that also have decades of experience um, working you know, in that environment. And then my PR vice president is somebody who um, has a tremendous amount of uh, news production, so she's the producer. So she knows the inside of a newsroom. She knows exactly how to get coverage and hook some reporter you know, to actually cover the story. So and now that those elements are in place, I've really tried to focus on working on growing the business 
and managing the agency. Right, right. Okay. Now that sounds great. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're a student or an educator, you can search for podcasts by career cluster and additional resources are under the resource tab. So we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was an astronaut, and what you actually do today, which is running your own PR firm. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Well, I was always a good student in school. You know, I took honors classes and AP classes and things like that in high school, but but I can't say I put a lot of effort into it, and, and I should have. I should have done that because I would have been much better prepared for college. I'm definitely not afraid of failure, but I can say my first semester of college was a disaster. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's mostly because I I was definitely mature enough to be away from home and be at school, but I didn't have like the study habits that I needed to keep up in college um, with the way that college is taught. So I definitely would, would have learned how to be a better studier. I would have learned how to take better notes, you know, just those things that are very fundamental to being a great college student. Right. No, that's a huge jump right there. It was easy. Like, I didn't have to work hard to get the B. Yeah. So I didn't work harder to get the A. I was the same. Like, I rarely studied. I struggled the same exact way you did. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I do have a 22-year-old who is in college, and I do have some pretty strong opinions about the pressure that I see kids under to basically be these superheroes in high school. Mm, mm-hmm. my, my oldest uh, was an exceptional student. She graduated with distinguished honors. She was in classes that I would have been terrible at. She's very good at math. I was not good at math. I really had to work for my math grades. She's always been exceptional at math and, and physical science. I've always asked her and her friends when you know they seem to have these existential crises about oh, you know, how do I push myself to take, you know, that calc class in high school? I always ask them, I'm like, why? Because if you're not going to major in math or science in college, then why are you doing that to yourself? Because you can take that class in college. You don't have to do it now. Right. I just feel like there's all this pressure on kids, you know, to have this incredible resume before they even leave high school. Mm. And I, I, I never felt that pressure. I, I had you know, good classes, and I was an athlete, and I, you know, participated in other extracurricular activities. I had a job in high school, but but I didn't feel pressure to have this, like, incredible resume before I even graduated from high school. Right, and actually that leads me right to my next question. Let's make the assumption someone wants to do what you do to be a professional in PR, not necessarily have their own firm, but what advice would you give them? One piece of advice would be, you know, don't overdo it in high school necessarily. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> I just think that public relations in particular, you know, there's there's a few different kinds of public relations professionals. There are the people who work in an agency and they tend to work more on facilitating PR for a client. There are people who work in what's called strategic communications, which is where I spend more of my time these days. Strategic communications is more where you're going to find people who work with a lobbying firm or they put together crisis communications plans or they manage crisis communications for clients. And then you have people who are publicists, people who are really trying to come up with creative ways to generate that buzz and you know get noticed. And those are really different skill sets. And so first would be to pick which one of those do you feel like is more in you know what's going to be um, good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then go and then go get those skills. If you're a publicist, you know you need to be um, assertive. You need to be creative. You need to be able to talk your way into any room or any club or any anywhere. <laughs> yep. 
you need to um, be able to be very transparent, and you really need to almost become like best friends with your client. They need to know that they can trust you and that they can you know, work with you on anything. In strategic communications, that's much more critical thinking. It's a lot more analytical. It's a lot of thinking, what I call thinking around corners. And so being able to see things that aren't there yet. And so those skills are skills that you're going to learn in a class that requires you to do a lot of essay writing, a lot of scenario planning, things like that. And then there's uh, the news side of PR, and that is more journalism. So studying mm. journalism, how a newsroom works, how the news industry works in today's world, how social media comes into play. Those are all very important things to learn. So they figure out which direction they want to go in. And is it pretty much you have to have some type of college degree to get into public relations? No, I don't think so. I see less and less of that in entertainment, depending on who you're working for. We only hire college graduates. That's not necessarily because we're not okay with hiring someone who didn't go to college. I just haven't had that person presented to me. Right. I will say this, though, that this is going to sound strange from somebody who has an advanced degree, two undergraduate degrees. You know, everyone in my family has an advanced degree. But I actually don't know if I really believe in college. I certainly don't believe in college for everyone. Mm -hmm. I don't think college is for everyone. I think that kids today have been sold a lie that college is for everyone, and it's not. I can tell you lots and lots of companies that I work with tell me all the time that if they could find a kid who learns, who teaches, teaches himself Python, you know, uh, you know, a woman who teaches herself how to code the languages that are hot today, they'd rather have that person than a college mm. graduate. Right, right. So, so I think it really depends on ambition and drive. I think that a great employee who is consistent and willing to learn is sometimes more valuable than the person who has that degree. Employers are looking for someone who can actually do the job, no matter where they came from that ex- experience, I guess would be lack of a better way to put it. Like the coding piece, if they know how to do it, whether they went to a college to learn how to do it or they learned it on their own or they learned it another way, they just want someone that can do it well. (laughs) You see that less and less in my world, but definitely when I worked in, you know, technology, I saw specialization was more important than the degree. Mm. I think as our world becomes more technical and more specialized, and what I do is becoming more technical and specialized with the advancement of machine learning and artificial intelligence, that has completely changed the way a newsroom works. And it will change the way a newsroom works moving forward. Understanding that and being able to understand the technical components is not necessarily that you're something you're going to learn in a communications degree in college. Wow, that sounds fascinating what you just said right there. I didn't realize it was going through such a transformation at this point. Yes, so uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence are now being used in newsrooms. They're being used to um, predict story trends, being used to predict traffic to a story, what stories are going to pop. Um, It's being used to write stories Mm. and create them real time. So that's definitely going to change the way news is presented to us. Wow, that's amazing. I could have a whole podcast just on that subject (laughs) with you, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? Sure. We've been working for quite some time, for about two years, with Pelican Products. They uh, have a whole side of their business that is military and professional, but they also have a side of their business that is uh, consumer-based uh, retail, so that's the kind of brand like a Yeti that you'll see in, um, you know, REI or Cabela's, Bath Pro Shop, and we just finished wrapping up two of their biggest shows of the year, 
that they go to to work with retail buyers. And so we're working with them on positioning some new products that will be coming to stores near you quite soon. Um, that are really fun and are great if you're into that outdoor lifestyle. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so they do. They make a lot of products for hunting and camping and fishing. Um, and so those industries are very fun to work in, and the products are you know fun to have. One of the great parts about working in PR is you almost always get a lot of sample products. <laughs> right, so you can go out test hunt with one of their products. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a Cabela's just down the street. I'll be sure to keep an eye out for it. So it's Pelican Products? Pelican products, they make you know the, the heavy-duty coolers, they make uh, tumblers, bottles, things like that. So then another project that, and this just will, um, I think, highlight the diversity of working in an agency and why it's really fun, is that, okay, so we have that outdoor lifestyle brand that we work with, but the last couple of weeks I've actually been spending a lot of time working with a company that's based out of New York that is a risk management and cybersecurity company. They hired us to manage the crisis communications for their clients. So um, whenever there's a data breach, a security um, breach, you know, a hacking attempt or a hacking, I should say, a, a success, uh, or anything that falls under that risk management umbrella of disaster recovery or data recovery, they need someone who understands strategic communications and can build those crisis communications plans for their clients, and their clients are some of the biggest companies in the world and then how they, they do the, the risk mitigation after the fact, and we do the communication internal and external after something happens. That is truly a 180 from two yeah. different projects <laughs> you're working on. <laughs> Completely. Wow. Well, that's really cool. Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. So I'm a huge car enthusiast. I don't know if you are or not, but what was your first car? My first car was a Chevy Chevette. <laughs> you know, you could tell people, I had a, I had a vet. It just was a Chevette, not a not a Corvette. I know. <laughs> I know. And I coveted the um, Honda CRX my entire time in high school, and I finally got it when I graduated. So that was my college car, and I loved that car. That's a fantastic car, the CRX. Well, cool. Well, what's your dream car if you have one? A Bentley Coupe. A what? The Bentley Coupe. The Bentley Coupe? Yeah. That is a gorgeous car. A friend of mine has one of those. Those are absolutely gorgeous. It's probably one of the prettiest cars out there in my mind. I agree. It's very classic. It's very sophisticated. It's not loud or flashy, but it's just a beautiful machine. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, some companies offer a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy you a cool company car based on your job. So I went with the public relations route and I picked out a really cool one for you. So I picked out a 1975 BMW art car. Are you familiar with this at all? I love that. I used to have a BMW. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this is this was the first art car. So BMW's made 19 of them. And the first four, let's see if I got the names right. Yeah, the first four, the one I picked for you was painted by Alexander Calder. He's a sculptor and he, I looked it up. He actually was just in the Phoenix Art Museum a year ago. Uh, let's see, the other four, other three were Frank Stella, Roy Lichtenstein, and Andy Warhol. They did the first four. And they started out not as a PR tool, they were actually raced, but they turned into a PR tool. So BMW uses them now to kind of communicate what they're doing. And so their most recent ones they've used to raise awareness of their alternative and renewable energy programs that they have at BMW. So I thought that would be a, a really cool one for you. That is a genius selection, and I'm going to tell you why. Because my other dream car is a Tesla, 
I actually, <laughs> I actually drive a Prius for work. That is my work car. And the reason why is that if you're a PR person, you're almost never in the office. You are out and about all the time. And having a car that is a hybrid or all electric is awesome because you can be in the carpool lane. Um, all right. <laughs> don't spend as much money on gas. Um, and that's exactly why I have a re- re- you know, renewable energy type car. well i'm glad you have you have a company car that's awesome but if i still have all the money in the world i'll still get you the bmw yeah (laughs) love it yeah well thank you so much for taking us on your journey what's the best way our listeners to learn more about you or your company either leedow.com which is l-e-i-g-h-d-o-w.com or 48westagency.com awesome well thanks for sharing your career journey today with us lee oh thank you for having me Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.